What's up everyone? Anthony Heller here with Deer Vane and this week we are going to be going over a turkey hunt, a successful turkey hunt. I had last week a straight up spot and stalk turkey hunt, no decoys, no calls. I suck at those things um, and it was a pretty, pretty cool hunt and I have some tips and tricks that came out of it that I was thinking about while I was in this hunt and in the moment because there was certainly decisions that were really tough to make like what do you do do you do this do you do a or b or a or b or a or b oh no here's option c what do you do and all these different things that were coming about so I wanted to run through that kind of mindset I have a lot of failed spot and stalk attempts so I always like to key in on when I am successful and then reflect on why I was successful and how I can repeat that. So that's what I want to share with you guys. So hopefully in your own hunting scenarios, you can not make those same mistakes that I make that I've made for the last few years and you can get in closer and be more effective and, and make those opportunities count. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get there, I got to say uh, Vector Custom Shop, they got some new arrows out. So go check those out. It's the ZMR. So if you're, you know, you get to, to start shooting your bow this summer and all that, you don't, you don't have a lot of arrows. You only have a couple arrows. Uh, you don't like the arrows you currently have. You want a new setup, whatever it is, look up Vector Custom Shop. Um, the new ZMR is out. They go in and out of stock because they essentially sell out pretty darn quick but they're a great arrow and I would 100% get your order in um, regardless of if you work with Vector Custom Shop or anybody else, but get your order in for all your gear here in the next month or so. Like if, you're, if you are behind the eight ball here and you try to start putting in orders in like late August and September, you are not going to be getting any of your stuff until December or January. Like people are out of stock, shipping lanes and logistics still suck um, from COVID and from layoffs and from re, re people going moving jobs and all that stuff. Regardless of what you're doing, get out there and put your orders in for your fall, all your fall stuff. Especially if you wanna try saddle hunting this fall. I've had a lot of people reach out to me about that. Um, get your order in now. Don't wait until August to make your decision. Get it in because that means you're going to get your saddle. You're going to get your arrows. You're going to get your new release. You're going to get everything early. You much rather have it early than not have it until, you know, December or January when it's already too late. And now you're just hanging on to it for the next season. So big, big piece of advice there. <laughs> get those orders in now. Think ahead. Um, also check out Onyx Maps, Venado, um, well, Onyx Maps is a GPS mapping app. If you don't know what it is, Google that. And then Venado, shopvenado.com. Great guys, lifestyle um, clothing brand out of Wisconsin. Same with Vector Custom Shop. Those guys are out of Wisconsin as well. Um, and the Venado guys just make some awesome sweatshirts, t-shirts, hoodies. I already kind of said that. Pants. Uh, uh, what's the other one that my dad really likes? He likes, um, it's a concealed carry vest. He loves that thing. So certainly go, go check those guys out. And uh, lastly, the last thing that I want to talk about before we get into this is the archery shoot. You guys, I know hundreds of you guys listen to this podcast, maybe even thousands. If you're in the Wisconsin area and you are interested in doing a 3D archery shoot, I just picked up three new targets today. A grizzly bear, black panther, and a bedded buck. And that's going to be added to the other targets we have. We have a 3D archery shoot at our private ground outside of Dodgeville, Wisconsin on June 11th. Okay, it's from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Lunch and dinner are provided. 50% of the people attending are going to get prizes. So you pretty much have a pretty good uh, chance of winning some prizes. 
and the prizes are all pretty cool. They're t-shirts, they're sweatshirts, they're hats. I got some Onyx, uh, I got some Onyx stuff. I got some Venado stuff. I got some Vector Custom Shop stuff. Um, and there's even rumors. I was talking with Cody DeQuisto of Lone Wolf Custom Gear. He was thinking about swinging by and bringing over some gear for people to try. So there's even rumors of that potentially happening. There's some really cool stuff that is going to be happening at this shoot. Lots of beers, lots of laugh, lots of fun. So if you guys have the ability to swing out there on June 11th, um, definitely, definitely highly encourage it. And it's only 40 bucks. So 40 bucks gets you unlimited shooting for the entire day. 15 targets across 110 acres gets you lunch, gets you dinner, gets you lots of laughs. We're going to have some novelty shoots and you're going to win a prize. And likely that prize is probably going to cost me somewhere between 20 and $30. So pretty much, you know, half of your guys' buy-in is going to go back towards prizes to give them back to you. And if you even include lunch on that stuff and you win a prize, then you guys might walk away with more money than you came with. So, and especially if you win it, if you win it, uh, you, you get number, the number one score. Obviously, we're going to be doing cash payouts for first, second, and third. So that'll be cool too. And you guys could actually walk away with some cash. All right. So that is the archery shoot. If you need to know more details on the archery shoot, the my email address is going to be in the show notes below, but it is hellera90 at gmail.com. Go ahead and throw me an email. All right. Heller, H-E-L-L-E-R, the letter A, the number's 90, hellera90 at gmail.com. All right. Send that note over. Um, I'll get you all the details, the location, the address, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but I just don't, I want people to commit to me first before I commit back to them and give them all that, all that information. So for now, it's outside of Dodgeville, Wisconsin, and then we'll go from there. All right. So with that, let's jump into the podcast and the turkey hunt. So um, this turkey hunt was was last week, uh, and if you're unfamiliar with Wisconsin seasons, this is season E, um, zone two, which is kind of like the Milwaukee area zone. And um, season E is Wisconsin divvies out their seasons and weeks. You get to buy a license for a one week time frame. Um, and season E was like May 18th to the 23rd, 24th. It's to, tomorrow. Yeah, 24th. So um, that's the season that I had. And I was able to kill this bird. I believe it was Friday. Um, yeah, I think it was Friday. And I was, I was, it was a Thursday or Friday. I can't remember. But um, got out there on um, about 7.30 in the morning. All right, so a uh, hunting a bigger piece of piece of public, I have an idea. I, I same piece of public I hunted earlier this year and killed uh, a bird with my buddy Justin, which was an earlier podcast. And so then this one got out to that same piece of public, and Justin and I had come across a couple of the birds before I had killed mine that were closer to the parking lot. And a lot of times these birds are habitual. And if no one's really disturbing them, they're going to use kind of the same routes, the same patterns that they've been using previously. So my idea here was I was going to kind of go check where those first birds were that we ran into, then go check where those second birds were. And that second bird that we saw, he was big. He was a really, really nice Tom. So my thought there was, all right, well, I'm going to go check in on that. I'm actually, the first birds that we ran into, I just didn't think they'd be there. So I didn't even, honestly, I, I, I got out to that area and, and I had to do some maneuvering to go check for them. Didn't even care. Just walked right past it. <laughs> um, honestly, and just went straight for that second bird. 
And I knew, and again, this is like uh, one of the biggest tips I can I can provide here is historical data. Hunting the same property over and over and over again will give you a lot of really good information on where to expect these birds and when to expect them there. So you'll notice I'm starting at 7.30 a.m. I'm not getting my butt up at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. to get out there and, and roost them and tr try to kill them on the fly down. I know that's that's certainly a great tactic for a lot of people, but for me, I get my kids up in the morning, I get my kids off to daycare, and then I go hunt. So I, I, I like that family time in the morning. It's always difficult, you know, two kids with my wife just trying to get everything organized. I try to help out around the house as much as I can. And so this is one of the things that I make sacrifices on and don't go early, early in the morning um, because I know I can kill these turkeys in the middle of the day anyway. And once you, like a lot of people will hunt from that 4 a.m. to 9 a.m. time frame. They'll be like, God, we've been out here for five hours and there's nothing going on. We're out of here. And they'll leave. And that's like, in my opinion, when a lot of the hunting gets good because these toms, they'll fly down when they roost up uh, at night, they know, they pretty much know where all these other hens are roosted. Either they're roosted close to them or they heard them or saw them roost up in a different area or they know where they were generally the day before and they kind of have a good idea where all the other birds are in the area, right? So what, what, I, what I believe my theory on all this is and why I think the hunting gets good in the mid morning, mid to late morning is because these toms, they will fly down and they know where these hens are. So they'll fly down with one or two, maybe three, four hens or whatever. And they'll kind of poke around these hens that they fly down with. And they're with these hens for two, three hours. And then if those hens aren't having it, or he already breeds them, he's kind of, he's got his whole day ahead of him now. And he's, he's done with these four hens. He's been with them for a few hours. And now he's going to start wandering, looking for other hens, other food, other toms to go beat up that are trying to encroach in his area, whatever it is, they start wandering around that like eight o'clock frame, that eight to nine time frame, maybe even 10 o'clock, they start moving off those hens. So this Tom that I found, um, so I'm going after this, this Tom, um, that was the second bird that we were after. And and it's about, by the time I get back there, it's about 8, 8.15. So in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, he's come, probably flown down into this private land ag field. He's probably messed around with some hens. And now he typically, and the birds have historically used this as well, they'll typically stay in that field in the morning. And then once, like kind of that mid-morning time frame rolls around, they'll actually come into the public where all the cover is and all the tall grass and all the woods and all that. And they'll start working through that public, trying to find other hens, other toms back in this piece of public. So my idea was, all right, so if that's probably what he's going to do, I'm going to go glass that field to see if he's in there. And if he is, make a play on him. If he's not, kind of hang out for a half hour, 45 minutes, see if he comes in there. And if he's not there, then I'll leave. Or... If he is there, which I think he will be, um, he's going to be working his way towards the public. I think he gets into the public around that 8.30 to 9.30 time frame and, and works through it back into the swamp. And once he's in there, you know, he's in the tall grass. All you can see is his head poking up when he's not all strutted up. And, and it's just pretty much impossible to kill him at that point with a spot and stalk method. You really got to call for him. So 
Um, I got on, I, I got back to that area. I tried to glass the field. It was super foggy and the vegetation had grown up so much that I couldn't really get a good bead on the entire field. I could just get a corner of it and, and it wasn't the corner where I thought he'd be anyway. So I got into this woods line and it's like a box elder woods, which is, um, it's kind of all scrub scraggly trees that are, I don't know, maybe like 10 to 20 inches in diameter. And they all go up and they're all kind of like, uh, they kind of just go all over the place. They're not straight at all going up, but they emit some sort of chemical and it pretty much stops anything from growing in the underbrush. The only thing in there really was like a boatload of garlic mustard and some clover. So it really like keeps the bottom of this entire little woods really clean and clear. And, and you can see when you're standing up in that stuff, when you're walking through there, like the branches and the, and the leaves and everything started about like, I don't know, 12 feet. And the, the, the ground vegetation only comes up about a foot at this time, foot and a half, two feet. So you can see a ton in there, which is really nice. Um, when you're, when you're set up in there already and you're waiting for that Turkey to come in, if that Turkey's already in there, you're pretty much like shit out of luck. Like he's going to see you when you come in. And so you kind of got to beat him to that punch, which I thought I was going to be able to do. So I got in there and I couldn't see that field edge and I was focused on that field edge and I was focused on that field edge. And, um, and I just kept, I kept like, I'd go like 20, 30 yards in the woods and then I'd work my way back out to the field edge, take a peek, nothing, go back into the woods, work my way 20, 30 yards, go back out to the field edge, take a peek, nothing, you know, and that was like kind of my strategy. And one of the things you have to have to have to do when you're spotting and stalking turkeys or you're looking for turkeys or you think there's a turkey in an area is you need to go very slow when your field of view is very large. And what I mean by that is I'm walking through this wide open woods essentially. I got an ag field off to my left and I got decent vegetation on the edge of that ag field. So I don't expect the deer, this turkey to pick me out from that ag field because I got decent cover. I got pretty good cover. And that's why I have to go out to the field edge in order to look down that field. Now on the other side of this woods is, is tall grass. Um, that was recently burnt, but now it's about a foot and a half to two feet. Um, and, and I was walking through that woods and I wasn't paying attention to the right side. Um, the left side is where the egg field was and the right side was where the grass field was. And there is no wall of cover. There's, well, there's patches of cover for where in between the woods and the grass field. Now, the, the patches of cover provide you the ability to walk through this woods. And if he's in the grass field or he's in the egg field, you're, you're clear and you're, you're good to move around. Um, because it's unlikely he's going to see you until a point. And all of a sudden the woods opens up to that grass field. And I was so fixated on the ag field. I'm sure you can all understand where this is going that I kept looking to the left back over to that ag field and like kind of keeping my eyes straight in front of me and off to the left to make sure that I wasn't going to bump into him coming through this wood line. And, and the wood line's about like 50 yards wide. So I'm still like, I'm in like the middle of it essentially when I'm walking through here. And at one point I knew, I knew, I knew from historically walking through this woods, um, from being in here previously in the year, I knew at one point the, the, 
the cover on my right side to the grass area stops and it becomes like wide open. And I don't know why I didn't do this, but I didn't stop to look out in that grass field. So I took like, I got past the cover point and I took like three or four steps and then it dawned on me, oh, look to your right, he might be in that grass field. And I looked to the right and there he is at 60 yards staring right at me. And I was like, shit. And he, he just like stared right at me for two seconds. He had me and then he just kind of putted away. He putted for like two, three steps and then he was running and he was gone. And it's when you're spotting and stalking turkeys, you have to see that bird before he sees you. Like that is what, even if like, if you know, like even if you spot them at 200 yards off, you can't get to like 60 yards or 70 yards and not know exactly where that bird is. You need to be able to put eyes on that bird so that you can make the right moves. And both of us, me and that turkey, depend very highly on our vision at this point. And he had not gobbled at all. I'd never heard him gobble. And I was within his like, I could have heard him for probably like 20 minutes as I was working through this like wood line and stuff. Like, so he just never gobbled and he was just a silent bird and silent birds are really hard to kill. So without the audio, you need the visual, right? So, and this goes the same for like when you're creeping to look over hills, when you're trying to peek out from a wood line into the ag field, when you're walking out into a more open area of a woods, every step matters and every step you need to scan. You have to scan, take a step and see what, what field of view opened up for you. Take another step, see what field of view opened up for you. And we've all been there. Like a t I would imagine a ton of us have been there where you're trying to do that. Like you're walking through a field and, and, and you're looking for deer or something. You're walking out at last light, or maybe you're late in the morning and you're walking out and you get like, you look out in the field, you don't see anything. So you start making your way. And all of a sudden you look over and you're like, holy crap, there's a deer right there. How didn't I see him before? And that's because your field of view to that area was brought blocked. And maybe those like 10 extra steps allowed you to get enough elevation in a rolling hill or whatever to expose, expose that deer to you, but also you to that deer. So when you're walking in these woods and you're trying to do a spot and stalk and you know a turkey is in a general area and you know that that turkey doesn't know you exist yet, every step you take needs to be um, intentional. And, and you need to keep your eyes up and you need to look that you can get away with a lot of sound with turkeys if you can see them before they can see you. And so really what I should have been doing at that point was I should have been taking slower steps. I was, I was, for whatever reason, I was like anxious and, and I always love the saying, what are you in a hurry to lose? Are you in a hurry to fail? So I was being anxious and I was trying to get to a certain area within that woods line where I knew I wanted to set up. And I had that goal in mind because I was going to set up for, I don't know, 30 minutes or so and set the decoys and, and call and see what I could do. Now, I'm not the best caller, but at the same time, a few yelps might bring a turkey in, did it for me last year, um, if, if, if he was in that area. So at that point, you know, Biggest tip there is, is when you think you're in the zone of a turkey, eyes up, take a step, scan, full left, full right, see what new has opened up for you, take another step, take another step. And that is how 
I was able to kill the bird in the afternoon. I learned my mistake right there that morning. And then in, you know, two hours later, I killed a bird because I fixed that mistake. So that is a huge piece of advice I, I have to give. If you know there's, or if you think there's birds in the area, step, scan, step, scan, step, scan. And I can't overemphasize that enough because a lot of us aren't the best turkey callers. And sometimes turkeys are call shy. They're decoy shy. They don't want to gobble and you need to find a way to kill them. And this bird, if I would have been able to see him, oh, I definitely, like he was in a very killable location, very killable. Cause if I would have been, if, if I would have seen him like three steps sooner, I was out like two or three steps. If I would have looked over when I lost that cover and saw, I mean, he was, it was a green grass field and a big black Tom right in the middle of it. Like very easy to spot, right? If I could have seen him through the brush, I would have been able to drop to my hands and knees and he was probably like 15 yards off the brush line. I would have been able to crawl and he was going from left to right, which which was really good for me because that's where my cover got better um, for me and worse for him. I could have got down on my hands and knees, crawled through all that all that stuff and it's really just dirt dirt it's it's really soft soil in here in this area that i was in and this garlic mustard which is really easy to crawl through not loud at all and i could have just worked my way right to that field edge belly crawled right out through some cover and i probably would have been able to get in front of him and shoot him like it's it's very likely that would have happened so um so it was just very disappointing and this tom was huge i mean he was a he was a beard dragger like i couldn't i couldn't see where his beard stopped at all and I, I mean, it could definitely could have, the first time I saw him when I was hunting him with Justin, I was like, that is a big turkey I'd like to kill. And this time definitely just reinforced that just a big old Tom. So anyway, he took off. Um, and I tried to loop around after him, after he ran away, he ran into the public. So I tried to loop around in front of him and, um, and I set my decoys out and called to him for probably a half hour just to see maybe if he would come into that. He didn't, of course, like he was, he was wise to my game at that point. And those big toms that live three, four years that, you know, they're, they're pretty smart. So, um, so I bailed on him and then I did end up setting up, <laughs> setting up on, uh, on two sets of different Jake's, um, later, like I, I bailed on him and I knew there were kind of birds over in this other area. Um, this other, uh, uh, this other little tract of public, it was, it's not the same piece, but it's like, I don't know, a hundred yards away. I guess it's the same piece. It's just divided by a road. Um, so I knew there were birds over there when I was driving in at seven 30, I saw them over there too, on a big chunk of private ag. Um, and they like to work onto the public as well. And this, where, where I'm hunting, it's like, it may, I make it sound like there's public all over the place. Um, and there is, there's a lot of public and that's why I hunt it again, spots, spots create or land creates opportunity. I mean, tons of land with a lot of different flocks of birds creates lots of different opportunities for you to be successful. And that's being a spot and stalk hunter, not a great caller, not a great decoy or anything like that. Like I need a lot of, I need a lot of opportunity to be successful. So I, uh, I, I worked my way out from that Turkey. I didn't, I had to get to work. I had a work call starting at 1030. Um, and, and at this time it was probably like 830 to nine. And I had, and I wanted to work out and I was like, you know what? I'm kind of done. I'm going to be done. 
um, for the morning. I know there's a couple birds in this front field, but I'm pretty sure there's Jake's because on my way in, I saw some other birds that I walked past. Um, but I'm pretty, again, I'm pretty sure they're Jake's. So I let them ride, but on my way out, I was like, yeah, I'll take a poke at those guys. So I did find them. They were, there was four Jake's. They were in, in pairs in different areas of this field. Kind of tried to poke around with, um, with them for a little bit, got on to, got onto one pair, um, got within like 80 yards and they kind of just worked off in an area that I wasn't really, that was terrible for a, for a spot and stock setup. And they weren't too interested in the decoys at that point. And then I tried to work over to the other pair. Um, and they also had worked off back to that, that other pair of Jake's. So now there were four Jake's all together and they were in a wide open field that was just not, not huntable. Um, so I just kind of like, Oh, you guys win the day today. I'll just take off. I'll head back. Um, I got to go to work anyway. I'll go back. I'll, I'll get some work done and, and, and I'll just come find you guys tomorrow. So at that point I got in the car and I drove, I don't know, a hundred yards. And I looked up into this piece of public and there were two Tom or there was one Tom out in this field in a somewhat killable location, but he was working towards a very killable location. And, and what I mean by killable is I'll kind of explain it a little bit here, but, um, when you're doing spot and stalk hunting, you need to be able to get close with lots of cover. Um, and killable locations to me are areas that have cover and topography that allow for spot and stalk when done properly to get really close and be able to get out in front of those birds. Um, and that's what I was, that's what I was after. So I, I saw kind of where this Tom was headed. And, um, and so I parked on the other side uh, of him on this, on this, I don't know, maybe it's like an 80 acre piece of public. He was going from right to left and I was going from left to right. So he was, yeah, he was coming from the North going South and I was coming from the South going North. So that's kind of a tricky position to be in really, because you're going to meet head on at some point and you need to see that bird before he sees you. Right. Cause that's, I mean, that's just, that's, that's a losing that's a losing, uh, a losing recipe for humans. Like turkeys are very likely to win that scenario. So how you counter that is if you're working North and he's working South, how you counter that is, is you try to figure out in your mind at what pace he's going and at what pace you're going. Cause everybody goes, well, we'll probably meet, meet somewhere right in here. So if that's what you're thinking, stop well short of that where you still have some cover and set your decoys and, and give a couple calls so that now you're not meeting halfway, you're pulling him past halfway to you and, and you're set up and you're ready to kill him. Whereas he is totally unsuspecting because he doesn't know that, you know, that he's there and he's working his way that direction. Right. That's a huge, that's a huge point that I like to make. So, you know, you never want to try to meet them head on because they're all like, they're always going to win that battle. Their, their head is just too small. You're literally looking for like, you know, a blue baseball and he's looking for a six foot tall, you know, camoed out person walking around. Like you're going to be seen first. It's just so likely. Um, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen every time, but it's, it's very likely. Ideal scenarios, you want to come perpendicular to where they are. So for some, some way, shape or form, you want to come in where I've had my, the most success is um 
if they're working from north to south, you're coming from west to east. And you're able to kind of work to a point where they're traveling from like right to left in front of you or left to right. And you can squirt out in front of them, you know, 60, 70 yards. And then they just let them work right to you and work past you. Like that's, that's the ideal scenario is, is that's how your entry and exit is, is happening there. Um, so with this bird, he was working again, north to south and I was coming south to north. So I made it to, there were two big patches of cover that I could make it to that are, that are clear and, and well-defined. And I was thinking I could kill them at the second patch of cover. So the first patch of cover made it there, pulled up my binos and I cannot under under express the the necessity for binos in a spot and stock scenario on turkeys i i never used to carry my binos out there and now i will go back to the truck miles to go get them like maybe not miles but i will go hundreds of yards like i will go out of my way to go get my binos i will drive back from the parking lots to go get my binos that's just how important I think they are because again, you're looking for a blue head, the size of a baseball amongst some tall grass and some trees and some thick brush and stuff like that. And, and you just, it's so much easier to do with a set of binos. So I run, I run the vortex 10 by fifties, um, or 12 by fifties, something like that. I can't remember exactly but they're like the diamondbacks again can't remember i just know they're good vortex binos they cost like 600 bucks or something like that and and i'm not saying like obviously that's not good that's not top of the line like you know vortex makes better binos than that you can find you know loopholes and zeiss and other binos much much nicer than that but at the same time the point being that that i that you need a good set of binos, like a decent set. And for me, that, that cover is like 600 bucks. Um, and I, and I choose the vortex binos because they have the lifetime warranty. Like the, first of all, they're out of Wisconsin. They're literally maybe 45 minutes. Their headquarters is 45 minutes from where, where I hunt and they, uh, and they have the lifetime warranty on it. So, and I've used that multiple times. I used it with my range finder. I've used it with my tripods. Um, I hope I don't have to use it with these binos, but certainly might. Um, and the lifetime warranty covers anything. As long as you bring in parts of it, they'll replace it for free. So if you break it, it can be totally your fault. Like my, uh, my, uh, range finder, my son put it, uh, where did he put it? He like, I let him play with it one day and he put it like on the hood of my truck or something like that. And it fell off the hood of my truck when I was driving down the road and I saw it pulled over and then another car ran it over. And so from there, I was like, ah, and it was all scratched up. Everything looked terrible on it. So I just took it in there. I just drove in there. I said, hey, can I get this replaced under the lifetime warranty? They're like, yeah, sure. They just grabbed it. And 10 minutes later, I had a brand new, a brand new, um, you had to fill out like a little form, but I had a brand new um, range finder. So again, like that's the reason, the reason I go with them. But the main point being binos are extremely important. So I get to that first set of cover, back to the story. I get to the first set of cover, pull up the binos, nothing. I don't see anything in this topography is like a, just to try to set the scene as best I can. The birds working from North to South, the land is, is higher in elevation to the West and it slowly slopes down to the East as it slopes down. It eventually hits a bottom and then flattens out. 
I am in that bottom and also mixed in here going north to south as well are these like rolling hills. So you got this like scenario where I want to get to the west and I want to get up to the top of this elevation so I can look down into the valley and see where these turkeys are. And that's something that that I, I'm not 100% set on yet. My ideas need to evolve a little bit there, whether you want to come from the bottom or come from the top. I've always had uh, better, better success, like if I have the higher ground in elevation or if I hold the high ground versus the low ground, which is kind of a, a war term. But I've always had better success holding the high ground. But I think there's certain scenarios where holding low ground might be better depending on cover and where the birds are working and all that. Either way, in this scenario, I wanted the high ground so I could see down into the valley and figure out where this bird is. But um, there was no real good way to get there. I needed to make it to the second patch of cover, which was about another 100 yards. And I needed to go through an open grass field to get there. So I needed to make it there before I made a determination. So I, I, and before I could get up to the top without being spotted. So I looked again with my binos, sat there for a few minutes, just kept checking, kept checking, making sure there were no little blue heads poking over those hills. And then when I decided to make the move, I did. And I, and I ran, I, I jogged across that field. I moved pretty quick, decoys, gun, everything that I could do in a safe way to not trip and fall. But I jogged across that field to this next batch of cover. And that's just flat out, like I wasn't worried about sound or anything. I just needed to not be seen. So I got there, um, kind of pe peeked around. I didn't see any turkeys in there. Like again, I'm, I'm on one patch of cover and these turkeys are on the other. And it's really this stuff at this point is pretty difficult to see through. So what I ended up doing was saying, okay, this is that point where I think I'm going to run into the turkeys. I think if I keep going, I'm going to run into them. So I should stop here. I should set up my decoys and make a couple calls and give it about 30 minutes and see what happens. And so that's what I did. Set up my decoys, got tucked into this little bit of cover and the decoys I put back where I came from. So what I'm trying, what I was trying to do there was get these turkeys to work. A lot of times they like to work into this cover um, a little bit. And this cover runs from west to east, from high elevation to low elevation, and it sticks out halfway into this grass field. Otherwise, this grass field is just pretty much all grass with sprinkles of like dogwood and, and random brush piles here and there. Um, so so I, I, they like to, for whatever reason, uh, uh, move towards this point of cover, and they like to come around the point here. And again, this is historical data. Um, and I had hunted this probably, I had hunted this like two days prior or a day or two prior. And I had scouted it that week as well. Um, just sat out there and kind of watched some of these birds. And again, this, this public land is like 10 minutes from my house, 15 minutes. So it's really easy drive to just go drive and sit on the road and watch what these birds are doing a little bit. Um, and then, uh, and so they, they wanted to come to that point. So I set the decoys up to try and pull them. Once they got to that point, it would pull them past the point and I'd be able to shoot them at that point at that time because they would essentially be walking past me to get to the decoys. That was the idea. Sat there for 30 minutes, nothing. No gobbles, no turkeys, no nothing. I'm like, all right, I guess they're not interested because if they were, I know they would have heard me and they would have come by now. So let's figure out what to do next. So I stood up and um, again... A, a huge mistake I made and still got away with it on this hunt 
was I, I stood up and took a couple steps. I did scan a lot while I was taking steps because a lot of times these birds just come in slow and quiet and I'm like, all right, come on, don't, don't, don't be that way. <laughs> you know, uh, please just not have come in. Let's figure out a new plan here. Don't let me bust you when I stand up and I call it quits. So I took a few steps, nothing, nothing, nothing. So then I, um, I took a few more and, and I look over and I did see a little head kind of running away. Um, and I was like, crap. And maybe I'm, I'm getting this wrong because the hens are blue heads and the tur and the toms are red heads. My apologies there. I, either way, you, you guys know what I mean. You're looking for a blue head or a red head. That's the size of a baseball. So the, uh, so this was a little blue head. So again, pulled up my binos right away. And what told me this was I, I pulled up my binos, little blue head, no beard, small bird. I was like, okay, good. It's just a hen. Like it's not the Tom, it's not the Tom that I was after. So what I did, that hen kind of worked through and she saw me, but she didn't take off. So I kind of knelt down and I waited for a Tom to come through. I waited about five minutes and no Tom came through. So I was like, all right, so that Tom is probably not with that hen. So I just busted out a hen that was randomly walking through here. Okay, that's fine. Not a big deal. Um, so what I did at that point was I was like, all right, hopefully, hopefully I'm right. And hopefully I didn't bust the Tom. Um, and it's just the hen and I'm going to work to high ground here and, and see where these turkey turkeys are. Cause I know they're in this like North section and I know they're towards the bottom, like the lower elevation of this North section, or that at least that's where I last saw them. So I work my way from, I'm kind of right in the square center of this entire property right now. And I'm working my way to the West, which also gains me elevation and I'm working through cover cover so thick that I'm very confident that nothing's going to see me. So I'm kind of scooting up that cover. And once you get to the top of the cover, um, you got like 15 yards of open ground where when you're walking out there, you can see down into that bottom, but they can also see you. So when I got to that open part, that's where I took one step scan, two steps scan, three step scan, and I was moving very slow and I was looking at my, I was looking through my binos every time because again, like at 200 yards, it's really hard to pick out a baseball sized head. So at like the sixth step, I, I looked through my binos and I could see what looked like a turkey head and all of a sudden, boom, a fan, he strutted up and I was like, oh yes, there he is. Fantastic. So at that point, um, I sat there and watched him for a little bit. He had no idea I was there. He was about 200 yards off, no issues or anything like that. I watched him just to see what he was doing. And he was literally just kind of spinning in circles while he was strutting. So I was like, okay, there must be a hen over there that he's working. So between me and him, um, there was a, I had the high ground at this point, but there was very little cover between him and I. But there was a patch, no bigger than like a bedroom, um, a standard bedroom and like a 10 by 10 type of patch of, of brush between him and I. And that would get me about 80 yards closer, but still, you know, 120 yards, 130 yards out. So what I did was at that point was I just backed up a little bit. So I was fully behind that piece of cover between me and him, got down on my hands and knees and I just crawled all the way to that cover. All right. So I'm sitting in that cover at this point. Um, and that took me, you know, five, 10 minutes and I get into the cover. And as I get closer that cover, um, I realize the cover is a little bit more exposed than I want. 
So I start belly crawling to get into that cover and I get to a point where I can potentially see that bird and I don't see him. And I pull up the binos, I'm looking, I'm looking, and I don't see them. So I crawl a little bit more, looking, looking again, just crawling and scanning and crawling and scanning. And I am probably being overly cautious here in terms of needing to crawl, like literally on my belly crawling through here. But I just did not want to spook these birds. And this is, again, E-season in Wisconsin. I know people have hunted these birds. I've seen the vehicles um, parked out here as well, trying to kill these birds. So I know this isn't like their first rodeo. And if I give them any sort of inkling that I'm here, they're going to disappear. So I'm crawling, crawling. And then I do see the Tom and I'm like, all right, you're here. Okay. You're still there. You're still in like the exact same spot and you're just spinning in circles. What that like. So then the next thought on my head is like, okay, I could try to make a play on this thing, but where's the hen? Cause the hen is going to bust me. And if she busts me, then he's gone. So I sit there and I just, I just kind of observed for about 10 minutes and I repositioned around in this cover a little bit because they kind of, he kind of looked like he was coming towards me a little bit and then he'd stop and turn around and walk back and I couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. So then I repositioned at one point within this brush, kind of just moved from the left side of it to the right side of it with, by crawling. And that's when I realized what was going on. There was another Tom there and he was actually strutting for that Tom, like trying to kick that Tom out. Like, Hey, I'm bigger than you. I'm better than you. Get out of here, bro. Get out of here. I'm bigger than you. And that's what he was doing. It was him and another Tom and both Toms were great size. Like both of them were 10 to 12 inch beards, um, big bodies on them, you know? So I was like, okay, so like there's two of you and I did not see a hen at all. So I was like, wow, what is, this is the first time I've seen this, but that's what he was doing. He was just trying to push that other Tom around. It seemed like, so at that point, um, they were about 120 yards or so. And I had, there was literally zero cover between him and I like vegetation wise. The only, I sat there and looked around and looked around and there was just no, like between me and him. I could have gone, the only way I could have gone around him, like to get around and get over closer to him was to trespass onto private because everything left on this piece of public was grass and they were in the grass. They they were in the grass and like this little bit of dogwood. There was no way I could, I could get to him. Um, so I was like, God, what do I do here? What do I do here? Like in using the vegetation, there's just no way. So I kind of started looking at the land a little bit more and it looked like I was on this bench. Um, and the bench, if I crawled, would likely hide me from their field of view just with dirt. So what I mean by a bench was from, from going from the west, you have high elevation and it tapers down maybe like 20, 30 feet and then it flattens out for a little bit. And then again, it tapers down 20, 30 feet. So where it flattens out, for probably like 15 yards or so, I stayed on the far west side of that. And if and my thought was if I crawled out on the far west side of that, so I'm just kind of avoiding the east side of it, which was where it rolls down to where these birds are, I might be able to get closer. So I was like, well, I got nothing to lose. I got this work call at 1030. I, you know, it's like 915 at this point or something. Um, I got to get, <laughs> I got to make a play and I got to get aggressive or I got to walk away from this. Like, I, I don't know what's going on with these birds. So I just got to, got to get after it. So 
my thought again was I, I binaural them up, checked them out. Okay. Yep. They're there. And, and they're still, and they're working away from me now at this point, kind of into that dogwood. So I was like, all right, I have to crawl pretty quick, belly crawl, flat out belly crawl through this grass, stay on the west side of it, go as fast as I can and get, get in position to the point where if these birds ever decide to come back, I'm ready for them. Or maybe I can belly crawl to the point where I can literally just pull up and shoot them. Like that's possible too. Um, I don't know, based on looking at the land, I don't know how far I'm going to get. Once I get there, I don't know where these birds are going to move, but this is going to put me in for the, for the best position of success. So I, I start crawling. I make it like 10 yards and I get up. And at this point, you know, I'm probably closer to hundred yards, 110 yards out. I get to like a push up position or I'm crawling on my, I'm literally crawling on my belly, like bino harness dragging on the ground. Um, you know, my knees are touching the ground. My toes are touching the ground. I'm just pulling, I'm putting, pushing my gun out, you know, as far as my arms can reach and then crawling to my gun, pushing my gun out, crawling to my gun. And, and I'm in like a foot tall, a f maybe a foot and a half on the top end grass. Like this was all a burn, like, I don't know, four weeks ago. So it's all just fresh new grass. And that's all I have as, as cover. So I'm working, I'm working down that and I get like 10, 15 yards. I get into like a push up position so I can make a very fluid, seamless motion. And I kind of push up until I can see the top of their fan is really all I'm looking for. And if I can't see it, I'm not looking any further. So that's another big thing. If like, if you have a strutter, don't look for their head, look for the fan. So there were a couple times where I did this push up, and I did this every 10 to 15 yards or so to make sure I still know where they are because I can't let them get out of my sight because if they get to, if they start working their way up this bench, I need to know. Otherwise, they're going to pick me before I pick them, and then the game is up, right? So I get in this push up position. I raise up. I don't see his fan. I drop back down. I give it 30, 45 seconds. I raise up, and I see his fan. I see the top of his fan and that's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for the body or anything like that. Just the top of his fan. And at hundred yards, I can see that with my naked eye. No need to, no need to whip out the binos anymore. The binos are put away and, um, and I'm, and I'm going this all with my own eyes. So I keep working, keep crawling out. And then, and again, like I said, every 10, 15 yards, I'm doing this. And eventually, um, after about 20, 30 minutes, I work into what I think is about 80 yards, 80, 70, 80 yards. And um, so I'd crawled like 50 to 60 yards. Um, so then I, I do that push-up position and they're, they're moving further away from me into this dogwood. I'm like, God dang it. Like, And I'm starting to run out of the bench. The bench is starting to fade. It's starting to taper. I can't really go any further. So... I, I crawl, I, I, I get to like where I think the maximum range is for me. And, and I get to a point where I am pretty much, if I raise, if I get in that push up position and push myself up, you know, two inches, three inches, I can see these birds. So I know when I'm laying flat, I am just out of range for them. And they might even be able to see the top of my hat when I'm just laying there. So these birds are down there. And, and that's another, like I said, another 10, 15 yards. So close the distance, maybe 60 yards or so, 50 yards, 50, 60 yards. And this is like a typical, uh, you could potentially shoot them at this point, right? With, I got a 12 gauge with three and a half inch shells. I could definitely shoot them. At that point, I was having a very hard time judging yardage. 
I kind of walked it out afterwards and that's where I'm getting all these yardages from. But at that point I was thinking they were too far. I was thinking they were like 70 yards or 80 yards and I needed them to get closer. So I, and I couldn't get closer. So essentially I just, I had to wait. I had to just be patient and hope that they kind of worked back towards me through this dogwood again. And, and I would just peek on them every, every couple minutes. I'd kind of raise up, see if they're coming. Nope. Still sitting there. And for probably like 10 minutes, that freaking strutter just strutted around the Tom in this little back corner in circles, just going circle, 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 circle for about like 10 minutes. And he was strutting every 30 seconds. You know, they're really easy to key in, key in, key in on him. But man, I was like, when are you going to move? When are you going to move? When are you going to move? And then out of the blue, the non-strutter, the, the, what we'd call the feeder Tom, he just starts kind of working back towards, back towards me. And he's not working straight to me. He's working like parallel with me. And I'm like, oh shit, this might happen. So I, I backed up a little bit and, and, and I looked at a spot where I wanted to kind of get to, there was, there was a tree the size of like, it was maybe one inch in diameter and it had a little bit more brush around it than the rest. Maybe like, instead of like the, the grass being a foot tall there, it was like a foot and a half. So I was like, okay, maybe I can crawl over to that and that'll give me a little bit better angle on these turkeys. And I'll be able to see over this bench a little bit better. And I can just like shoot them through the grass. So backed up, crawled over there and now I'm in position and I, and I, and I don't even have to, I don't even have to pick my head up out of the grass. Like I am literally looking through the blades of grass and I'm seeing the black bodies of these turkeys work through this grass. So I see the strutter or I see the, the feeder and he's always in the, he's been in the front this whole time and the strutter has been following him around. So I see him and he kind of looks at me funny, like he's his head, he's straight up and down. He's kind of looking at me and I'm like, please don't, please don't, please don't. And at this point I'm assuming he's like, I'm looking at him like 40, 50 yards. My gun is not ready. Like he's in position. I can probably shoot him. But in my mind, I wanted to shoot the strutter. Like that's for whatever reason, I, I just wanted to shoot the strutter and I wanted this, uh, the feeder Tom to work past me and then I'd shoot the strutter. So this feeder Tom keeps working along and, and he gets to probably like 35, 40 yards. And I am, I am starting to like, and I'm like, where's that strutter? Where's that strutter? Cause I didn't want that strutter to have left. I didn't want him to have been somewhere else and all. And so, and then that Tom stops again, the feeder Tom stops. He looks at me again. I'm like, oh my gosh, come on. Do not pick me. Do not pick me. Otherwise I'm going to have to like jump up and do a one, two, three and hope to God I hit him. Right. He didn't pick me. And so he keeps working by and all of a sudden, boom, the strutter shows up and I'm like, holy shit, there's a strutter. And he looked like he was like, again, 35 yards, 40 yards following right behind this feeder Tom. So at that point I saw him and I was like, all right, both of you are now in range. I can kind of screw up on one of you and I'll still have a good chance at another. So I kind of work my gun up through the grass and I'm still laying flat on my belly and I got my gun worked up and I'm just holding it in a spot that the grass is a little bit thinner and I can see these birds and, and when, when the strutter is all fanned up, his head sucked back into his body. Right. And, uh, and when he's like that, he is hidden from the grass. When he stops and walks, his head pops way up and I can see his head very clearly. And the feeders working through that feeder Tom was working through this area. So I put my beads, I put my gun bead and here comes the Tom, the strutter. And I put that gun bead right on his head. 
and he's all strutted up and everything. I'm like, yeah, come on, baby, just unfold, unfold and I'll shoot you. And, uh, and he didn't unfold. He was just staying in strut mode for probably like, it seemed like a minute, but it was probably like 10 seconds. And I look over to where that feeder Tom was. And I'm just, I got my gun trained on the strutter and I look over just with my eyes to see where that feeder Tom is. And he is staring right at me. And I can see he must've worked his way up that bench a little bit. Cause I can almost see his legs at this point. And I'm like, Oh shit. And he, he clearly knew that I was not, <laughs> not supposed to be there. Right. Six foot, six foot laying down with all camo in this grass. Like I do not look like a log. He was eyeing me up. And so at that point I literally just like shifted. I had to shift my gun about a foot and a half and I shifted it a foot and a half, put it right on him. He didn't move, pulled the trigger and, uh, and just folded him right there, just tipped him. And I was like, I was just so relieved. It was that the, the Tom, the strutter flew off and, and I didn't even see where the feeder Tom went. And I didn't know that I folded him. I was like, holy cow, did, did I lose him? Did he duck down all below this bench? Did I miss what the heck happened? You know, I was just like panicking. And then I stood up, I saw him folded up. I saw the strutter flying away. And that's when I realized they were at 18 yards. They were right on top of me. Like I was like, holy crap, these birds were so close. How did like, how did I get this close and everything? And they worked right in. They worked along that kind of the lower end of that bench. It just worked out so perfectly and i and i shot that bird and and i just dumped him in the spot and um folded him it was just just wild just ridiculous <laughs> honestly and i and i counted out the steps 18 steps to get to him you know 18 yards i didn't have my rangefinder on me at all and i kind of walked walked out my path that i was on but i had crawled about 60 70 yards um from the original patch of uh of of cover that i was in and worked out along that bench and then i sat there i mean it was probably like 80 degrees out hot there was for whatever reason the ants were like on patrol that day i was getting ants all over my face the whole time i was laying in that stuff it could have just been the position i took up but it was it was just it was it was very very rewarding to look at that crawl along that bench and go this is gonna suck but if I pull this off, this is going to be badass. And even during that crawl, I Snapchatted my buddies. I was like, God, this freaking sucks. There better be a long beard at the end of this because I am not, I'm not having a lot of fun, fun right now. And so anyway, ended up, yeah, crawling out there, shooting that big time. Like, I mean, it all worked out perfectly, worked out great, exactly how I would have hoped. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just fantastic. So that's the story of that Tom that I just killed. Um, I you guess you could say I used decoys, but they didn't have any effect. I didn't use any calls to kill them that last 120 yards. They were pretty much on their own, doing their own thing. And I was able to spot them, stalk, crawl, and, and shoot them right there without them ever knowing I was there until the very end, which is exactly what you know every, everybody hopes for. Um, and ideally they don't even know you're ever there, which that strutter had no idea. It's just that that feeder Tom had worked up, um, a little bit higher than, than I had expected when I lost sight of him. And yeah, he just, he was going to blow the whole thing. So I had, to, <laughs> so I had to shoot him. Um, so that Tom, 
you know, he was a good sized bird, probably north of 20 pounds, maybe like 20, 20 ish, 20 ish pounds, 21 pounds. Um, he was pretty heavy. Um, but he had a 10 and a half inch beard. He had one spur broken off. One spur was still there. He's definitely a fighter. Uh, great, great bird overall, like very, very happy with him. And so, and I killed that bird at, uh, at 10:33, in the middle that was the funny part of it was in the middle of that whole thing i texted my appointment at 10:30 and just said hey i'm sorry i'm not going to be able to make it today can we can we reschedule um it's a great working appointment the guy i was working with was a hunter so he was he knew what i was up to and he's like yeah no worries man go get him <laughs> um he's like just send me a picture of a dead turkey is what he said so you know four minutes later i sent him a picture of the tom and he was all jacked up for me anyway which is pretty cool um so anyway yeah um, and then I had to rush home cause the, I had another 11 o'clock appointment that I couldn't miss at all. That was a big one that I had to be on. So, um, I rushed home, made it to that, but yeah, essentially snapped a couple photos quick, got in the truck, um, drove home and, and got on the, that call, um, and made the call. So anyway, that's the whole story. Big, big piece of, uh, of advice, um, spotting and stalking is, is know the terrain that you're hunting. That only comes with time and experience out in the woods, uh, hunting the same piece over and over and over again. Um, and again, I've hunted this piece. This is my seventh. Yeah, this is my seventh year hunting it. And I'm really starting to like the last couple of years, I've really started to put the pieces together here and I've been able to be pretty successful the last few years. And again, that comes with a lot of failures. I mean, just this one morning I had, I had three failures prior to this success. So, you know, you compound that over years and days of hunting these turkeys. I've, I've put in a lot of mistakes into this, um, but I feel like I'm starting to get the recipe here. So again, uh, uh, habitual historical data year over year of what these turkeys like to do and how they like to use a, a piece of ground is really important. How they like to navigate and where they like to go and, and what time of the day um, is, is all really important. Um, but once you spot that turkey, you know, having your binos to just spot them, figure out, are they a Jake? Is it a hen? Is it a big Tom? Especially if they're not strutting, like obviously you don't know that. Or, you know, is that a black blob that I want to go chase? You know, I've done that before where you spend hours stalking a stump. <laughs> like that sucks too, you know? Um, so binoing up, seeing exactly what they are, what they're doing. Um, how they're moving and, and what their behavior is looking like. Things like that are all important. So make sure you have your binos out there. And then from there, step scan, step scan. Always try to relocate that turkey and find that turkey. You know, if you're spotting them from 500 yards out, try to relocate them at 200 yards, at 100 yards. Whatever the terrain and the cover gives you the opportunity for, try to do that. And if you get to an area where you think you should be able to spot that turkey and he's not there, give it time, give it five minutes, give it 10 minutes, give it 15 minutes, give it some time, whatever's relevant for the scenario to just make sure that that bird hasn't just like magically disappeared behind a bush. You didn't see it. So then you give up right away, take a couple steps out and boom, he's there. Like just don't have that happen. That's always a killer. And I've done that a bunch of times. Um, so just you, when you, when you try to relocate them at 200 yards and try to keep eyes on them as much as you can from that point in, because, because when you're working through cover and you're working through topography and terrain, like I was, especially on this hunt, um, 
you you need you have to see that bird before he sees you. That's the only way you're going to be successful. And even like the the other day, I tried to do this. Always, I always try to intercept the birds on a direction they're already heading, rather than chase them. Don't try to try to come up from behind them and try to like if they go over a, a rise or a rolling hill, like quickly run up to the top of that hill and shoot them. Um, like it's certainly viable and you can do that, but I have had very, very poor luck doing that. Um, I tried to do it the day before I killed this Tom on a couple Jake's and I didn't get it done because when they went over that rise, they actually took a left turn and I thought they were going to take a right turn. So I get up over the rise and I'm step scanning, step scanning. And at that point, like they were way off to my left and they saw me way before I saw them. They weren't even in like the field of view I was assuming they were in. So it's just, it's really tough to chase from behind. Always try to get out in front and let them come to you. That's always the best, the best uh, scenario where I've had the most amount of success. Um, both birds I killed this year were from that. The bird I had last year, yeah, and both birds I killed last year were from that as well. Getting out in front of them and letting them naturally come to you rather than you trying to chase them from behind. So try to do that um, every time. Now, um, that would be, that would be a huge tip there. Um, also when you're trying to, when you're trying to kill these turkeys, if you're trying to spot and stalk them and you see them from a few hundred yards out, um, and then you relocate them maybe at 150 yards, you have to have a ton of patience because they might be in an un, unkillable location. They might be in a spot that is just not conducive to spot and stalking like for instance if they're in a totally flat egg field and they're 100 yards from any wood line like you're just not going to kill them so what you need to do at that point is be really patient and wait for them to make their move and once they start naturally making their move to whichever direction they're heading you need to have a plan plan a for that and to go that direction and try to figure out how you can intercept them and get in front of them that would be the other the other big piece because not every bird's killable like a hundred percent, there's certain, there's certain times where I will find birds on public land and I won't even try. Cause I'm like, I've tried to kill a bird in that spot three, four five times. And they are just unkillable in there. I'd rather let that bird go, maybe catch up with them later in the afternoon or later that day. Um, or just try to beat them to that spot tomorrow morning. Right. Cause a lot of times they have the same routine again, rather than try to push them out of there. They, they do turkeys do sense pressure a lot like deer do and they will not if they if someone's tried to kill them in a in a same location uh you know for the last couple of weeks like they're not going to keep going to that location they know and they're and they're super wary when they enter that area so anything off and that's when you get turkeys that are like afraid of decoys or afraid of calling um or are super skittish like that's that's because they've been people have tried to kill them multiple times right i would be skittish too so um so yeah, after you relocate them, you know, and do your do your best to use the topography to your advantage. Topography and the vegetation. Later in the year, like right now, um, it's it's the end of May. Uh, you're going to get more vegetation, more green up. It's going to be easier to navigate and stay within that cover, right? Versus first right away in the season in, in late April, you got like no cover. So it's really difficult to make spot and stalks in the early season because you pretty much have to use terrain to your advantage. Otherwise you don't really have much of an option. Um, cause there's just no cover. So, you know, as the season progresses, you can use that cover to your advantage more on um, that vegetation cover 
versus you know only to topographical cover. Now with the topographical cover, the other big piece is knowing that, right? Again, that ties back to historical data on hunting the same piece of property over and over. You need to know where you can get away with moving through certain pieces of ground and, and the little hills and the little knobs. It's the subtle details that'll help you be successful. Everybody knows where that big ridge line is, but what about this, this little bench that I found on this hunt is gonna stick with me forever. And if turkeys get into that same spot next year, which I bet they will, or even next week when I have another tag, I can easily you know, recreate that same hunt and hopefully be successful again. Um, so it's definitely possible um, to, to recreate these year over year with certain birds, especially if they like certain areas of a certain piece of ground. And, and finding these little subtle details are what's gonna help you be more successful than the other guys who have hunted these birds previously and probably just tried to call to them with decoys and tried to beat them to a spot and set up like your typical standard, you know, set the, get out at 4 a.m., set the decoys up, sit in a corner, um, brush in and call. Like that certainly works. I mean, people do it every year, you know, probably more than 60% of the 70% of the birds that are killed are done that way. But I also think there's, uh, there's a time and a place and a fun factor to this for being able to spot and stalk and kill these birds in their own, their own territory, their own line of sight, their own, you know, natural way of moving through the property. And because I didn't use decoys or calls on this one, and I was able to get that close and maybe they heard my calls earlier. And so that's why they came back to that. I was able to kill them. Maybe they didn't. I don't, I don't know, but I guess my, um, my big piece of advice there is just like learn that subtle that subtle terrain, learn it well, and spotting and stalking can certainly be effective um, when these birds are skittish. They don't want to come to decoys. They don't want to come to calls. They don't want to gobble themselves. You're just gonna have to find another way to do it, and this is one of those ways to do it. Um, that would have been a good spot to end right there. I'm just trying to think if there were any other major tips that I that I could bring out for you. Um, and I don't think there is like learn the topography, learn the land, bring your binos, try to see them as much as you can. Don't chase them. Always try to intercept them. And if you do set up decoys, try to pull the turkeys past you rather than just in front of you. That's another one that I always try to use. Um, and that's how I was able to kill last year. Both of my turkeys came off of decoy kills and this year, the first one probably, the decoy played a part. I don't think it was, I, I wouldn't call it a decoy kill necessarily because that bird wasn't coming to the decoys. He was kind of skirting around it and checking it out. So I guess you could call it a decoy kill. Um, but but both the ones for sure last year, I, I had an idea where the turkeys were going. And so I set my decoys out and then I cr like, how would I say this? It went, it went the toms and then me and then the decoys. So the toms had to work past me to the decoys. Um, I've seen a lot of people that's that do the tom and then they put their decoys and they back up and then they set up. So it goes the tom, the decoys, then you. And I really personally like you and the decoys because that way, even if the, these toms hang up at 50 yards or 60 yards or 70 yards or whatever, they're from the decoys that doesn't mean they're 50, 60, 70 yards from you. That means whatever distance you are from those decoys, you've cut that by that much. So maybe you're 20 yards off the decoys and they hang up at 60 yards. Well, now you're 40 yards, which is certainly a doable shot for 
um, for turkeys with a, a definitely with a, a three and a half inch slug uh, or not a slug, <laughs> sorry, a, a three and a half inch shell um, out of a 12 gauge. So definitely um, def, that's that's a big tip that I have that, that I personally like. Some people will say that's totally the wrong way to do it um, and it should be the other way around. I that's just been successful for me. All right. So that's what I got for this one. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, you have any comments, tips, anything like that? I always love, I, I really enjoy and I really appreciate you guys dropping me lines on Instagram or Facebook saying you listen to a podcast. I really like this, really like that. Could you talk about this? I think you might've got this wrong. I don't think I'm perfect. I don't think I know everything. So I'm always open to learning. I'm certainly might challenge you though. If you say, Anthony, you're totally full of shit on this. I think this is the way to go. I might challenge you on that. Um, for sure. But at the same time, like if you're going to call me out, I'm going to call you out back to you. So be prepared for that. Um, but otherwise, you know, if, if you have like a sound argument and you think like, Anthony, don't no, you always want the decoys between you and the toms because of A, B and C. Fantastic. I'll listen to it all day and, and maybe like talk about it on the next podcast or have you on in the next podcast to talk about it. But either way, you know, I really appreciate you guys reaching out on Instagram, on Facebook, um, in the emails as well. I've gotten a few of those. Um, and, uh, and if you would, and you got a moment, please like, and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. The review really helps other people find me. Um, and so it just raises kind of my rankings in the search index area and all that. Anyway, with that, um, that's the end of this one. And I got to start planning out the summer podcast, but I think we're going to be doing a lot of gear podcasts trying to get after some gear tips, tricks, um, having some different manufacturers on to talk about their gear, give you guys some ideas of, of upcoming, um, upcoming buys that you're probably going to want to make, um, here in the next month or two, um, on what, uh, some whitetail, some whitetail gear that you're considering. So tree stands, bows, arrows, broadheads, all that kind of fun stuff. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Catch you next time.